everybody, and welcome to another episode of NGI's Hub & Flow podcast. I'm Jameson Coughlin, editor of LNG Insight, which provides subscribers with North American LNG news and pricing, plus key European and Asian fundamentals. Natural Gas Intelligence is a news and price reporting agency. The aim of our podcast is to explore the issues that matter most to North American natural gas and beyond. Today, I'm joined by Joe Rea, Chief Commercial Officer at Avex Exchange. Welcome, Joe. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Jameson. Uh, great to be here. Today, we're going to talk about AVEX, uh, what exactly they do, and some of the things they're working on. And maybe in the process, uh, we'll learn a little more about how LNG is traded, um, how it's priced, and really how the market is evolving with all this growth now that more players are getting involved. So I think AVEX is really uh, a part of this evolution we're witnessing in the global gas trade right now, Joe. So can you start by maybe telling us a little bit more about the company and, and, and what it's trying to accomplish? Yep. So um, the exchange itself, the idea for the exchange itself, Jameson, was born out about three, three and a half years ago now, actually, when uh, a couple of the founders, John Noring, head of gas trading at Goldman Sachs, uh, Josh Crum, who was one of the uh, main uh, analysts on the um, commodity side at Goldman, partnered up with uh, one of my former colleagues at the NYMEX, Dan McElduff, to look at developing a more robust uh, LNG marketplace for hedging for risk and for risk mitigation. And that really came out of uh, really one main thing, that the marketplace was changing from a almost completely term structure, because anybody that's involved in LNG obviously knows, you know, the term structure for LNG markets have been around for the better part of 20 plus years. And as two things happened, uh, the, the term contracts, most of them, or a lot of them were coming to the end of their life. And also excess gas molecules coming onto the marketplace, mostly from the U.S. Those excess cargos, those LNG cargos, were generally going to be put into the spot market. So, again, term contracts ending, more new molecules on the, on the marketplace, just generally ending up in the spot marketplace. And what happened there, and it's, uh, you know, two things, I think, the, the amount of spot cargos went from zero to almost 50% at the end of 2020, but also we saw that there was no real way to, to mitigate risk or hedge your risk on those spot cargos. So what happened, the marketplace was looking at generally carrying over from the term contracts where most of those term contracts were priced against Brent crude oil. Some of them were priced against the Japanese crude cocktail product, which is JCC product, which wasn't even traded on exchange. Generally, um, you know, some even on Henry Hub, some on TTF, but there was really no main instrument that was able to be used for a hedging mechanism uh, for all those new barrels. And so that really was kind of the genesis of, of the exchange. And, uh, you know, as we started developing relationships with some of the, the, the trading firms that I knew at the NYMEX that Dan did and also John and, and Josh did, kept getting that same message from the trading firms. Okay, you know, it's great that there's all these financial instruments out there, but there's nothing in the physical marketplace that, again, has total convergence from those physical cargos or from a futures contract into the physical cargos um, as they go to delivery. Okay. Okay. So with all that said, I, I think that you guys are working on an LNG contract, correct? We, we are. So, I mean, before the LNG contract, we obviously had to pair that up with an exchange and a clearinghouse for contracts. So, you know, as we looked at where do we list it, how do we develop it? You know, we generally said, we, we basically from, from what we heard from the marketplace was that the incumbent exchanges were mostly fo focused on financially settled instruments. And so we went about developing contracts that were going to be physically settled 
or have the optionality of physical settlement. And we decided to, to, to look to build our own exchange and clearinghouse uh, instead of passing the contracts over to a, a SGX or an ICE or a CME for clearing, we went, you know, the extra cost and time component to list these and develop our own clearinghouse in Singapore under the MAS. And so we received conditional approval or approval in principle, as they call it, for our exchange back last September, uh, even through COVID. And we're waiting pretty imminently, actually. I would say within the next week or two, we should hear back from MAS on our clearinghouse. And again, this has been a very, very long timeline and costly project, but we've, we've raised enough cap- sufficient capital, both from an operating side and also from a regulatory side, to launch the exchange in the clearinghouse. Okay. Okay. So, so you mentioned that this is going to be, you know, a physically settled uh, LNG contract, and, and that's something that's that's very different from something like, you know, the Japan Korea marker. I don't know if it's too early, but I mean, can you maybe talk at all, you know, about how the contract is is structured or whether Avex intends for it to become, you know, a major benchmark and how that might help at all with price discovery? Well, we think it will be a price discovery vehicle. You know, the firms that we've been engaged with again said that they need a better instrument. We're working with them on on the actual, uh, and we've had have them develop and finalized on the actual terms of delivery. We'll be coming out with that pretty soon, I would say. We're still, we're just still given the competitive nature of the marketplace, we don't want to be totally transparent yet on, on the actual specs. But the firms that have been, the trading firms that are involved in the LNG marketplace are under NDA with us. And we've, uh, we've you know, developed our products, our contract specs around that. Okay. Okay. Totally understand. Totally understand. So maybe another question in, in, that, in that same vein. I mean, sometimes it seems like the LNG market can be pretty tough to get a read on because, you know, as we've discussed here today, there's a lot of pricing dynamics. You know, you've got oil link contracts, you've got JKM, there's European prices, US prices. There's not a single, you know, unifying benchmark. So I think that there's a very strong feeling in the market right now that there, that there isn't a lot of price transparency. I mean, w- would you agree? Yeah, exactly that. And that's that's the, the big complaint we hear from all the participants, not only just commercial firms, but financial firms, the, the majority of the participants. There's just no price transparency. The instruments that are um, you know being used now, even outside of Brent and JCC with you know TTF and, and JKM. I mean, if you listen anybody listened to the Poten uh, Jason Fears webinar a couple of weeks ago, I mean he was really down the litany of of why all those instruments don't work for for good price discovery and also even more important better risk management yeah yeah well i mean jkm's a, a financially settled contract and, and ttf is is a virtual pipeline hub so it's probably gas just doesn't work correct yeah yeah okay going back to an earlier comment too just to be clear i mean it, it it sounds like the exchange and the contract are, are going to launch fairly soon then is, is that fair to say Correct. Yeah. Once we get our um, our approval, a full approval from MAS for for our clearinghouse, you know, we're, we ended up listing as a public company, Apex Technologies, the parent of of the exchange, and that gave us the capital, the sufficient capital uh, from a regulatory side that we'll, we will need to deposit with our in our guarantee fund in Singapore. So that again, kind of kicks off the. The starting point for getting clearing members engaged and on board. We've had discussions with them now, pretty detailed discussions with clearing firms over the past, you know, past year plus, and also with looking at setting up first trades and, and going live. And so that will, I think we'll, we'll find ourselves going live, you know, sometime in the um, in the late summer, given that we get our approval from MAS, which we expect fully. But uh, we'll, we have the capital for it, uh, especially from the 
from the clearinghouse side. And I think the most important thing about clearinghouse side under MAS, to, you know, we're going to be required to have more quote-unquote skin in the game. I mean, everybody talks about that from a risk perspective, especially even going back to some of the problems in futures uh, over the over the years that incumbent clearinghouses just don't have that much skin in the game. And, you know, the clearing members do bear most of the risk, uh, counterparty risk. So we, we have a, a larger requirement in Singapore for more skin in the game. And I think that'll, that'll just prove to be better protection for not only our customers, but also for the clearing firms that are engaged with us. Okay. Okay. And maybe that ties into another question. I mean, there, there are other people out in the marketplace right now that are, that are working on similar products. I mean, Octo LNG, uh, Comet. I mean, what, what makes Avix any different? I mean, is there any one thing that, that will, you know, make you guys maybe a little bit more successful than some of the other efforts that are, that are underway out there as the market evolves? Well, I mean, with all due respect to the other platforms, GLX, Comet, they're basically OTC broker platforms, right? So there's spot platforms, there's large requirements for margin, you still have bilateral risk. It's completely different than a futures exchange. I mean, somebody can set up an OTC platform in about 24 hours in their basement, right? And so you look at a futures exchange, there's a, there's a reason why there's only three or four and, and only a couple of clearinghouses because of the cost, the time, you know, the work that's needed from a better risk management perspective to manage futures contracts versus OTC contracts. So they're really, you're talking about apples and, and dump trucks, basically, between a, a platform like you know GLX or Comet or some of the others out there versus a, a fully regulated, full stack futures exchange. It just doesn't, there's just no, no comparison at all. Okay. Just kind of shifting back to maybe a broader question here. Um, when you talk about LNG benchmarking. I mean, is it is it likely that the market rallies around you know one pure LNG contract, or or do you think that we'll really start to see dominant contracts in each of these leading regions? Maybe JKM, you know, has established a good enough hold on Asia, uh, and we get something else that's dominant in in, in Europe and in, in the United States and, and and so on. I mean, I don't know if you can speak to that at all. Well, I think what we'll be doing is is looking at regional contracts, contracts that serve the various areas uh, where LNG is both uh, being exported and also being imported. I think, as, as, as you, you know, rightly mentioned, uh, Asia is a destination for a good amount of the excess spot cargoes that are on the marketplace. And we have a big focus on Asia. That's one of the reasons why we chose Singapore as our domicile for the exchange and the clearinghouse. And so, um, you know, we, we will give the, that marketplace a great representation and opportunity to hedge their risk both from the sell side of, of LNG cargoes into Asia and also for the buying side that need to mitigate their risk on potential cargoes that are coming into the region. And same in the Gulf Coast, right? Gulf Coast, again, being a big export of excess gas in the marketplace, it will be well represented from a um, you know, from an opportunity perspective for sellers and buyers to, to utilize the futures contract in that region. Okay. Okay. So when your contract launches, I mean, it, it, it's going to take some time to get off the ground, I imagine. I mean, these financial instruments, they typically do. But, uh, you know, is there maybe a little more work cut out for you guys when it comes to the physical settlement aspect of this contract, given how large these cargoes can be, you know, the, the costs of freight? You know, is it going to take a little longer to, to, to build liquidity, I guess, is, is my question. It, it, it could, you know, having worked so many years at the NYMEX back in the day, and I was involved in building and launching the Clearport platform for, for the exchange back then. I mean, we never took for granted that, you know, as you say, you build it and they will come. You basically know that it's going to take a lot of work after you launch to promote the product, 
to make sure that the specs are, particularly in a physically delivered contract, to make sure that the specs are correct, the delivery parameters are correct, they meet the regulatory and the clearing requirements for clearing firms and the exchange for mitigating risk and being able to, to deliver a proper cargo under any futures contract, whether it's natural gas, crude oil. I think the experience factor that we have from the team at AVAX, uh, both from a compliance or risk management side, a contract development perspective, Dan McElduff, uh, who's our president, he and I uh, worked together on building the Clearport platform for the exchange for the NYMEX back in the early 2000s and and launched you know multiple thousands of contracts under that. And Dan also worked on developing the Henry Hub contract and other physical contracts at the NYMEX. So you know I think we have a lot of internal expertise, but most, I think the most important thing is engagement with the marketplace. I think that's something that we kept hearing time and time again from the market participants that there really was, they didn't have a sounding board for developing new products and developing new products that would meet the needs that they have for better risk management, better transparency, better price discovery in that marketplace. So yeah, to, I mean, to answer your question, it will take time to develop liquidity. We think we we have um, a, a good consensus of trading firms that will be involved in it from day one, but we know the hard work really comes after we launch to make sure that the marketplace understands it. We educate the marketplace on not only the products, but also have access and exchange and clearinghouse. And also look at other products too that may work in conjunction with the existing uh, LNG contracts that we're going to launch. Okay. Okay. I mean, has that been time consuming to go out and engage the market in the way that you need to, to build, you know, to build what you guys are building? I mean, it's just such a disparate market. I mean, everybody's spread out. You know, you've got all these different regions. I mean, I imagine that that was, that was a challenge in and of itself. It's absolutely true. We did that back in the day when you know when we launched Clearport. It was really myself and and Dan to some extent. You know, we really we went global in our re- outreach then, and I think the model kind of works the same today. But uh, I think he, from our perspective, uh, we have a team in place in Singapore, Nancy Sia, who is uh, our MD in Singapore for the exchange, um, was the former co-head of. Uh, Goldman Sachs' Commodity Trading Group in Singapore, and also um, headed up Goldman's uh, Commodity Group in China. So, you know, we have a lot of expertise that we've built. Uh, we have just a lot of people that are are buying into our model. Uh, and between you know our team in Asia, folks in Europe, uh, and also in, in the U.S., we have a really good group of, of, of experts that understand the marketplace, that understand how to build exchanges, and most importantly, new products too. Yeah, yeah, very neat, very neat. Okay, Joe, the only other thing that I wanted to run by you is is maybe this imperative uh, across the natural gas value chain right now to, to curb emissions and, and implement, you know, environmental, social, uh, and governance measures. So is ABEX working on anything related to any of this stuff? I mean, maybe some ESG-related products or will, will carbon credits be traded? I mean, anything at all like that in the works for you guys right now? Well, it's really interesting, Jameson, the development. And again, having been around developing new markets and new products for so many years, to see how the paradigm shift in focus in hydrocarbon markets, not only natural gas, seems that LNG is the main focus right now, but across not only just energy firms, firms that trade you know, in, in, the, in the commodity marketplace, but just uh, almost every asset class now in, in corporates and banks that are so 
focused and involved in de- trying to develop a better uh, responsibility factor for for the markets that they're in. I would say a good year plus ago, obviously right at the beginning of the pandemic, we really started getting a lot of inbound comments from the marketplace that we've been think- we're engaged with that we needed to look at the ESG or the carbon aspect of LNG as a as as a potential for um, either a new product or basically how to solve it, right? And the reason why the marketplace wanted to solve it, even back then, was and, and continues to be a lack of standardization in that marketplace, a lack of any real. I don't want to say winner. I don't think I think winners are hard to say. There's going to be one winner, just like there's going to be one benchmark. Um, I think that there was really a, no lack of leadership. Oh, I'm sorry, there was a lack of leadership and direction in how the market was going to develop. And the reason for that was you had now today over 70 or 75 different environmental registries or carbon registries that are being offered out to the marketplace, some with varying degrees of quality and projects that there hasn't been any de facto you know, standardization or leadership there. And so we felt that we weren't certainly at the, at the, at the point of our development and the, the point of development of LNG markets, global LNG markets, that there really was an opportunity for ABEX to become a leader in this. And from our engagement with the LNG trading community, but also now the, the carbon trading community and firms in, that are, are adding carbon trading units within their um, within their commodity trading groups. Banks are doing it. Merchant energy firms are doing it. It's pretty pervasive across the landscape of not only energy firms, but also corporate firms. And that there's there's just a big desire to be socially responsible, to find ways, better ways to be better kind of stewards of the marketplace and, and, and actually be responsible in how they trade. And so, yeah, we think that, you know, we're working on various opportunities for optionality in carbon offsets to LNG. We've had uh, several working groups that we put that we've held now to discuss that. Still in, in, its, in its development stage, and I think once we launch, we'll have more details about that. But safe to say that we're, we're going to be heavily involved in the carbon markets. Uh, we took a, an investment our parent did, Avex Technologies, in Air Carbon. It's an exchange in Singapore. That's run by Tom McMahon, who's one of the founders of ABEX, and also Bill Pezos, who is a real leader in the carbon markets. And um, we feel that, you know, for us to be involved with them and others, that there's uh, there's just great opportunity for really kind of getting a, a good idea as far as how the marketplace wants to trade these things. And particularly as they as they attach them to not only LNG, but uh, crude oil, refined products, agricultural products across the whole landscape. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a very interesting story right now with with how to standardize all this, you know, in terms of you know tracking emissions and, and offsetting cargoes. So, so well said for sure. Okay, I think that's it for today. Thanks again for joining us, Joe. We we really appreciated having you for today's episode. That's great, James. Yeah, thanks for having us. We really appreciate it too. Yeah, and and thanks to all of you for listening to NGI's Hub and Flow podcast. Natural Gas Intelligence is a price reporting agency that focuses on natural gas and LNG news, data, and price indexes for the North American markets. We believe that price transparency empowers businesses, economies, and communities, and this podcast is part of our effort to add to that transparency. If you have more interest in the global gas trade, please visit our website at natgasintel.com and check out our LNG Insight publication. Until next time, stay safe and healthy. Mm-hmm.